Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry, and we are back after a little bit of a hiatus. Our summer vacations are over. Back to the grind of, well, Arizona athletics, which I always say never stops. And Brett, it didn't stop for, for us while we were gone. Like things happened. Yeah, I think uh, there was. It, it, it almost averages out to a football commitment for every day off we had. I felt like maybe maybe I'm <laughs> right? exaggerating. Uh, a little bit, but no, nah, I think we're going to start there. Of course, the big news was Arizona landing Elijah Rushing, kind of like their, the big fish, right? With the whole recruiting class, the 2024 class, it was a local kid, Sal Point, one of the top players in the country. And Arizona was in on him, but you thought, okay, they've been on local kids before, some of these guys, and can they pull them in? They got T-Mac last year. Obviously, he wasn't a local kid, but kind of a similar idea of like, okay, he likes Arizona, but he's going to go to Oregon, right? He's going to go to Tennessee. He's going to go to Notre Dame. It's going to be somewhere. It's not going to be Arizona. Arizona doesn't get this guy, even though he's local. And then as his recruiting, like his commitment day was kind of picking up, rumors started to swirl that, hey, Arizona might be in the lead or at least had the momentum. And sure enough, Elijah Rushing chooses Arizona, the highest rated recruit that Arizona's received in the modern like, recruiting era. Like that's, <laughs> there's no bad way to look at this. Like everything is good. Yeah, did you did you mean to make a really good pun with the big fish? That could have been your column article for AZ. Uh, yeah, I think I did put it in the column actually. Now that I think about it, I don't know. We we haven't we haven't potted in a while, so I read that, but it was you know might as well have been two years ago at this point. Yeah, I wrote it on vacation, so it might have been two years ago for me as well. <laughs> it was a whole different life for me back then. Yeah, no, it's uh, I mean, like you said, there's 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 no way to view this as a negative thing, and it sounds like um. You know, Elijah Rushing and his teammate, uh, also like a, maybe even underrated, another defensive end. Like, boy, you, you look at the roster and you say, you know, the defense could be better, but they need a pass rush. I think they found their pass rush, at least maybe not immediately, but in, you know, two, three years down the line. Um, but yeah, Elijah Rushing had a big, you know, uh, high visibility, national implication kind of thing. Uh there's there's nothing but good momentum for the program and there's you know rumors that that might actually influence some other guys in state that you know mm-hmm. hey it's okay to uh commit to arizona like this is a program on the rise um and you know it's it's <laughs> i i don't know what to do with my hands because i'm so excited kind of thing right <laughs> like wait the, the, this is arizona football you're not supposed to have like repeated good news yeah, but it's, well, a, it's a it's a jed fish off season so we know how that goes perhaps more than what he's going to do on the field we don't know how good he's going to be right i mean he's got potential tons of potential at a premium position if he gets to college develops into the player he can be arizona has a first round draft pick type of pass rusher you know which they haven't had i can't remember the last time they had someone who was that good especially with uh with a hype arriving on campus but in many ways, it makes sense, right? He's a local kid. Arizona's made it a priority to get local kids, keep guys in state. But at the same time, 
like if Arizona had not gotten Elijah rushing, if he had announced for Oregon, I think was one of the finalists that he had there. It would have been like, okay, that's disappointing. You know, Arizona will still work on kind of like with T Mac, you know, but if they don't get him, it's not necessarily a, a knock on Jedfish because it's hard. It's hard to land these guys, let alone when you're Arizona and you've won six games over the last two years. So it wouldn't have been like a slight against him and be like, oh, well, Fish can't get the job done because he didn't get Elijah rushing, even though he's a local kid. But what happened here, at least from my perspective and from what it seems like, is Jed Fish had the plan. One thing about him, I think Ari Wasserman from The Athletic had a piece about this too before Russia committed, was about how Jed Fish, he tries to get everybody. He doesn't look at a player and say, we can't get them, we're not going to try. Like Kevin Sumlin did that. Rich Rodriguez would do that. Jed Fish is like, if I want that guy, I'm going to go get him. Or at least I'm going to try. I'm going to go down swinging. And when you're Jed Fish and you're doing that, you start to have that plan in place for Elijah rushing. What does it take to get him? He's a local kid, but that doesn't that gets you in the door, but it doesn't get you the signature, right? It doesn't get you the commitment. So you go get his teammate, Will Height, which probably didn't hurt. Kind of like what T Mac getting Noah Fafita, getting Keon Burnett, getting Jacob Manu, probably didn't hurt in getting T Mac last year. You go get guys that Elijah Rushing is comfortable with, that he plays with, that he's going to feel good about joining the roster with. That's all well and good. You probably put together some NIL package that's, you know, not what another school like an SEC school or an Oregon could come up with, but, you know, something decent, right? You have to. It's 2023. You have to have some sort of NIL plan in place for someone like this. But after that, you have to show that you are a program on the rise. Like he wants to win, right? He wants to get to the NFL and win. Arizona hasn't put sent guys to the NFL yet, been drafted, but that's going to change. It will next season or next draft. But you have to show you can win. And Elijah Rushing's not going to Arizona to lose. Like he could have gotten more money from another NIL and another program, right? He could have gotten more hype even from going to another program, an SEC school or Notre Dame or even Oregon, right? With more of a guaranteed chance to be in New Year's Day bowl games or whatever. But he picked Arizona for a lot of these different reasons. But I'm with you, Brett. I look at this and say, this is a guy who says Arizona is a place to be. Arizona is a place that's going to win. And I'm going to go there. I'm going to win some games. I'm going to put up some stats and I'm going to go to the pros. And that's something that Arizona needs to be able to keep building on this momentum that they've kind of been rolling with the last couple of years. Well, I, you know, you compared him to T-Mac and I don't want to throw that much cold water on it because I'm very excited. But before the commitment, whether it was Arizona or Oregon, like it's not over till he signs his name on the line and shows up on campus. hundred percent right? true. I mean, you know me, that's kind of my thing. <laughs> yeah. but this feels different. It's the local kid. So it's like, unless if Arizona goes, wins two games next season, maybe things start to change, right? Or if Judge yeah. Fish leaves after this season, Arizona wins eight games and he leaves and maybe something changes, but the local kid, you feel like it'll be harder to, to lose at this point. Well, and, and the, the thing that makes me feel better as an Arizona fan, well, one is that it sounds like he and his teammate both plan to enroll early, which that kind of shortens the timeline, right? Like you have to have plans in place. But also, uh, I don't know if you if you got a chance to watch that kind of uh, delayed live stream announcement, but, um, you know, uh, Elijah was talking about a lot of things in, up to including and maybe highlighting the pride he has in being a Southern Arizona kid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I th- that's not going to change. Yeah, that tell and you know it's it's you know I think his dad has you know he he his dad played for one of Jed Fish's uh, uh, Florida, mentors. yeah, you know back in the day. But uh, also Arizona went and got Cruz rushing this past yeah. offseason. Like so another that, guy forgot about that. They brought on his brother. Yeah, and so and you know it's it's. It's it's hard to argue to the parents with for the from the parents' perspective of like oh I can go to 
every home game very cheaply and easily. And that probably makes it easier to go to every road game affordably. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like the Until way he, I guess the SEC offer now, in which case, you know, they have to travel kind of far, but you know, you do what you gotta yeah. do. Or if you're going to the big 10 and, you know, decide <laughs> you want to go to Rutgers once a season in but New Jersey. No, your point is valid though. Your point is very valid. Yeah. But like, you know, the, the reasons with which he, he, I mean, he clearly had prepared statements in that announcement. He was clearly, you know, put a lot of thought into his decision. And all of that tells me the, the likelihood of a flip, well, it's never zero, right? And like things can always change. And Oregon's going to try until, you know, the second signing day. Yet, it's, it's, again, it's, it's, you know, a lot of people are making the comparison to, is this the Sean Elliott of, of football comparison? And I, don't think that's fair to Elijah rushing. Cause also he's not at a position. Like it's, it's a different thing. It's right? a different sport. One player in basketball can make all the difference. Football rarely is that the case. Yeah. I mean, if he was like a quarterback where the ball is in his hands, literally half the game, right. Mm-hmm. Um, that might, you know, that might be it, but you know, boy, uh, a, a first round potential talent, uh, pass rusher, you can also have a pretty strong impact on the game, right? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And and also, like you know, I kind of alluded to there's and there's a lot of rumors. Uh, you know, his teammate is what the number ten player in the state, um, and probably will move up as the season's gone on. Have you have you looked at Will Height's uh, highlight videos from like camps, Adam? Have you seen? Some I, of I have not. I I have better things to do. Well, uh, they're kind of fun. To, they're kind, yeah, I mean, I guess that's. You're you're saying you're saying your child is more important than watching high school players do drills. <laughs> I'm sure in many ways watching my baby play around and run around his mat is similar to watching high school football players go do drills. But yes, I feel like for the sake of my marriage, I should probably watch the baby more. Than, you know. <laughs> but how is your how are your son's uh, pass rushing moves coming along, Adam? <laughs> he's low to the ground, man. Like he's got he's good got, leverage. He's, he's, got, he's got a he's got a good bend to him. It's <laughs> coming around the edge. He's pretty um, shifty. No, like, like they're with Will Height and rushing. They, I mean, it's not a, a hyperbole to say that they could be a game-changing set of defensive ends, right? right. Like, they are that good. Like, I, I think Will Height might end up being a bit higher in the than number ten in the state. And the Arizona, if you're top ten in the state of Arizona, you're probably a pretty well-regarded recruit nowadays. Um, you know, Elijah Rushing is literally number one. Um, and then Arizona is rumored to be the number th- in it now with the number three guy who is a quarterback that just de- decommitted from Ole Miss. Um, but yeah, it's there's it's just oodles and oodles of positivity. And you look at the the recruiting class that uh, Arizona's put together fairly quickly. I mean, it's we ha- we haven't potted in a while, and I think there's literally been like twelve commitments in the what four weeks since we've recorded. Um, and you look at the class and you say, oh, this is a nice class. Like there's like the lowest rated guys are guys you think are going to move up or you can see doing really well, like the, the, the trio from Apollo high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but there wasn't, you know, Will height was like the first thing of like, Oh, I mean, if you're not going to get Elijah rushing, that's, he's a guy that probably can do quite well. And then you also get Elijah rushing and you're like, Oh, well that's, it's, it's the, it makes this class seem a lot more dynamic. Right. Yeah, and getting rushing is that, I mean, he's the prize, right. And for Arizona, he's the message. And yeah, Arizona sent one a little bit last season with getting T-Mac, but that's just one guy. You know, that's a fluke, right? You got his teammates, the Oregon, you know, coach left and that changed the dynamic there. And then he just kind of fell into your laps. I mean, he earned it, but he kind of fell into your laps. 
That's not what happened here. This was Jed Fish building off the momentum and that buzz that he's generated, going and getting a guy who, yes, he's a local kid, but think of all the local kids that Arizona has not gotten over the years, <laughs> you know? And I don't think, like, would Arizona have gotten Bijan Robinson if they really went after him? I don't know. Probably not. Like, that Arizona team wasn't in a position, but that Arizona team is coming off more wins than five, I think, when Bijan Robinson, or they were coming off a five-win season, too. But the direction of that program, the leadership of the program was such where either the coaching staff never felt they had a chance, and maybe they didn't, compared to now where the coaching staff not only thinks it has a chance, but goes and makes it happen. And like I said before, if they had not gotten Elijah rushing this time around, he hadn't committed to them the first time, they would have still stayed on him, but it wouldn't have been a knock on Jed Fish because it still is Arizona. But when I say it's Arizona, what does that even mean now? Like Arizona football is not what it was a couple of years ago. And yeah, they won five games last season. There's probably bowl expectations going to this season. And it's not winning the Pac-12 type of expectations. But if they win six, seven games, you're starting to see what the recruiting can be. Like part of what Arizona can sell right now is early playing time. And if you're good enough, if you're a four or five star type of player, you might get early playing time no matter what, even if the team you're going into is good. But Arizona's selling playing time. But what happens when they can start selling success? What happens when they can start selling bowl games and being an NFL draft pick, hearing your name called, you know, from the podium? And I think that can change this season. That's why this recruiting class, like you said, Brett, before rushing, it was a nice recruiting class. Rushing makes it look that much better. And what can happen next? Because it's not being done. It's not done being put together. But, you know, if Arizona wins seven games this season and Jacob Cowing's a second round pick, Right. Michael Wiley hears his name drafted. Um, like things change. They change for the better once again. And the trajectory Arizona has been on, you know, it's been a I think it was a pretty big jump from year one of year two to jet, you know, from the Jet Fish era from 2021 to 2022 was huge. They, the transfer portal, they one win to five wins so much better. But now if they win seven games, eight games and they get guys drafted, they go up another few levels and their recruiting should become that much easier. Right? Yeah. You know, I, I, I like your, your point of selling playing time versus selling success. And the person that like, it's not in the context of what we were just talking about, but if you went in the last 10 plus years of Arizona football rosters, in what world does Leviticus Sua not start as a freshman in the last 10 years of Arizona football, maybe right. 15 years of football. Right. Like I mean, they would desperately need him just to come in as a smaller, you know, has to learn the playbook, he, learn the college game line, but he would play. He'd he'd be he'd probably be starting on the last fifteen years of Arizona football teams, right? He may not he he'll probably see the field, but he's gonna play sparingly, I would think, because unless there's an injury, there's actual, you know, legitimate depth and talent at the middle linebacker spot for the first time since I can literally remember. <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, Colin Schooler was a nice linebacker, but after him, it was nothing, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, he should have finished his career as a Wild. I mean, yeah. Fields was good too. Yeah, but he wasn't playing in the middle usually. Um, I like Anthony know. Pandy, but these are guys who are solid linebackers, and Leviticus Sua may be on their level, but he also may not be the best linebacker they have. <laughs> you know? Yeah, especially as a freshman, and that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. Exactly. Like, there's a, a legitimate argument to try to redshirt him by playing him in four games this year because they don't need to play him this year with the kind of linebackers they have right unless he shows up and is just that good and you can't keep him off well, the field in which case another good problem to have yeah again these are 
I, I love problems. I love these problems, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> next, next thing you're gonna be like, no, no, no. Your offensive line is too good. Like <laughs> big and too experienced. <laughs> like, oh man, that's so hard on me. Um, no, it's 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 just. I almost want to call it an exclamation point on the change in the perception of the program, but then that it, that punctuation insinuates the it's the end of a sentence when I think it's just you know mid sentence, right? Yeah. Um, and like even on the day of the announcement, you know, Demond Williams was rumored and he decommitted from Ole Miss. You know, he's the number three guy in Arizona. If he was three inches taller, he'd be literally at any SEC school that he wanted to go to, right? He was going to go to an SEC school. Well, right? but like I, I mean, like going to be quarterback for Georgia kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and so like, if you, if so, if you add him and that's another, you know, if you're building this pipeline locally too, while Arizona's high schools are pumping out talent uh, at a level that has not been the same, you know, don't let, don't, well, while somebody else is filling up with Arizona three stars, we're, <laughs> we're adding the top guys in the state. You know, that's a, that's a not bad thing to do. Also, we can have that uh, Arizona three stars uh, rehashed conversation again as the, as the season goes. Along. Oh yeah, of course. No, I, but I think, I think you're right, but to kind of put a bow on this, like Arizona's recruiting for the 2024 class. And again, until they sign, they're not officially wildcats, you know, but for someone like rushing to choose Arizona and that big thing on two, four, seven, their live thing. Like obviously he is I mean, the number eight, you know, number one in the state at his position. Like he's, he could have gone anywhere. And at least for now, and I think he's going to stay, barring Arizona's totally collapsing or winning 10 games and Jed Fish leaving, I imagine Elijah Rushing is going to be alive. And even if Jed Fish leaves because they win, pretty good chance that Elijah Rushing sticks with his commitment because now he's joining a good program. It's like when a coach leaves, like, do they leave you in a better place? If so then, cool. You know, that's you accept that. But getting a player like him to commit to Arizona, to put on the hat, and I think his commitment's already lasted longer than Tabor's. Tabor, I don't think, made it a week. As a wildcat, before he flipped to decided to flip to Florida, so rushing's doing better there. But when you have a guy like that commit to you, like you said, Brett, it does kind of signal that Arizona is okay, and not just okay because I, you know it's, that Arizona's going to be good. That they are not just selling you know smoke and mirrors. That they had a plan in place and showed him like this is what's going to happen. This is how we're going to be a good football team. This is how. You know, when UCLA and USC leave the conference, whoever comes in, this is how Arizona is going to be competing for division championships and for bowl games and things like that, because you need good players to win and they keep getting more good players, you know, via the portal and via traditional recruiting, Arizona has added more talent over the last couple of years. than I think in any two year period in recent memory, and they had a lot of room to get better. Yes, but they've done it and they did it on offense going into last season. This season looks like they did it on defense puts pressure on Johnny Nansen, of course, to make sure that that defense plays well. But even then, now you know what's in the pipeline. Now you know what could be coming next season, how ready these guys will be to play as freshmen. Who knows? But I imagine it'd be hard to keep Elijah rushing off the field and will light off the field if they are that good. So, yeah, like, what does it mean to be Arizona? means something a lot different than what it used to because I think these players, they know that. You know, they know that they can go anywhere else and they don't want to because they see something happening with Arizona. It's not the biggest NIL. There's no way, (laughs) you know, and it's not the biggest tradition. It's not the biggest you're going to be on ESPN every weekend or you're guaranteed. You know, it's none of that. It's something else. And maybe it's a chance to be the ones who get Arizona to that level like that. Certain players have that confidence and that desire. And you said like rushing, 
he has that commitment, that feeling for Southern Arizona for home that he wants to be that guy. Great. But that's not usually enough to get these guys to Tucson. So there's something more happening. We've seen it, but this is just more validation that, hey, it's not just us as fans or as podcasters. It is players who are you know behind the curtain. They can see everything. They get the pitches from all these different programs, and they're saying, you know what? I like what Arizona's doing. I want to go there. Like that. That's huge. Yeah, and I... I... I, I kind of love that you were just saying like, you know, maybe Elijah Rushing competes as a and gets some playing time as a freshman. The best part is this freshman class that has, you know, tripled since our last pod. You know, most of these guys probably aren't sniffing the field for the first year, and that's a good thing, right? <laughs> like, like, the challenging thing is in the era of the transfer portal, just making sure that they understand the plan. But other than that, like, again, if players are leaving because they can't get playing time because there's better players in front of them, you know, okay. Yeah, that's that's it's like, like all. Like, that's, I that's, that. that's like the complaining about your coaches getting poached in advance of them getting poached. Like they're only getting poached if they've done a good job. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like if you can't see the field and you're good enough to see the field somewhere else, it's because there's someone better than you on the roster. That's not a bad problem for Arizona football. Like no. that's just how it goes. Yeah, Adam, did you want to did you want to list all of the guys that committed since our last last thing? It's a quite a hefty. I mean, list. How how much time do we got in the pod this week? I don't know. I don't. I, we may run out, especially as you struggle through pronouncing most of them. Oh, I'm not going to list them. I was going to let you do it. <laughs> Hopefully, you can do it like in song. Like, is there some sort of like pattern you can make it like a jingle? No. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> what what rhymes with Pui Alamaka? Like, I, I don't even know who all do they have. Like, who who since do we have? Like, it's I know it's been a lot. We've it's actually maybe they all committed because we weren't potting. I think Tui Alamaka was actually before the before the last pod. Uh, so there you go. Your excuse is invalid. <laughs> Damn it. Sing away. <laughs> no, no. Uh, let's see. I'm just going to try to go through the list here because was the last time I recorded uh, published one on the ninth. I think was that is that right, Adam? Yeah. Let's who see. knows? So we have Lynn and Bell out of Nevada. Uh, Keona Wilhite, Keo Patu, brother of uh, defensive end Orn Patu. Charlie Crowell, tight end out of Oregon. Audrick Harris, wide receiver out of Vegas. Uh, the Apollo Trio, uh, Adam Muhammad, Michael Watkins, and Matthew Lato. There's a Jaden Langley in there, I think. Uh, yeah, there's the, the number one rated kicker, Michael Salgado Medina. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh, gosh. The defensive lineman from Katy, Texas, whose initials are EO. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not even gonna try. <laughs> Okunde, I think, is the last name. Adua Okunde. I guess I will try. Yeah, um, that's that sounded right to me. And then uh, a a big big uh, lineman that's not. I don't think he's rated on the at least not on two four seven. I'm not sure if he is on Rivals or the other things. Justin Halkima, I think, is how you pronounce it. Sure. A uh, big big O lineman kind of reminds me of uh, who was the the the. The, the big uh, San Diego lineman that played guard for us that was actually kind of good that I'm sad never got a shot in the NFL. Oh, I don't remember. You know who I'm talking about, though? I, I maybe saw him on the field after Arizona won the South and told him a nice, you know, nice job. I'm sure that meant a lot to him. <laughs> I bet it did. <laughs> you know, he didn't make it to the NFL. He's all going to remember that time you said nice job. And that'll carry him through. That'll pay, that'll pay the bills, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did I did I miss any in the list? Uh, I mean, you know the list better than I do. I, I was across the country. I was out of town for a while and not like again. I logged on for Elijah Rushing. So I'm like, oh, okay, that happened. But 
Like that's where I go back to again because like Arizona lost a commit, right? They had someone flip. Um, one of the linebackers went flip to Stanford, which mm-hmm. okay, Stanford, I get that. But until these guys sign, like commitments are great. It's momentum and it shows that you have something. And until they decommit, you expect them to go to get to campus and be Arizona Wildcats. But yeah, it, this is what you do. Like they, I'm trying to remember. Like Rich Rodriguez would try to like fill up on like lower level recruits lower rank recruits early, try to fill up that class early, and then maybe try to get a big fish at the end, right? Swing for the fences on that Hail Mary. Fish does it differently. <laughs> you know, he's just going after everybody whenever. You know, if he wants you, they're just going to try to get you and get you to commit when they can. And yeah, they're not done. So yeah. Can I, can I just comment on your mixed metaphor of swinging for the fences on the Hail Mary? <laughs> yep. You, 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 you know, you're a good writer, Adam, but sometimes you need an editor. No, like Hail Mary is like a trying big, you know, big chance. You're like hoping for the best. You swing for the fences. You you can swing from the fences. Doesn't mean you're gonna hit one ball over it. And that's where you say your Hail Mary to make sure you connect with the baseball and it goes over the fence. Oh boy, yeah, I, can, <laughs> I can get there. <laughs> I don't want to have to, but I can do it. <laughs> I I hate you so much right now. <laughs> that's fair, brother. Let's take a break and we come back. Given we were gone so long, we asked our. Wildcat Radio listeners to submit their questions in a little bit of a mailbag at Wildcat Radio AZ. That's the handle. If you haven't submitted your questions by now, you're not going to make it to this week's show. But, you know, let's answer those questions when we come back. We're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. And as we said before the break, we've been gone for a while. Hopefully you noticed that. If you didn't, that that hurts. But in the time we've been gone, a lot happened. And we were kind of thinking, hey, you might have some questions and want our answers to them. And so we asked you, Wildcat Radio AZ is the handle. Just what do you think? What do you want to know? Brett, what do our listeners want to know? So the first question was before we actually asked for questions. Uh, but, you know, I just want to make sure we get to this one because our, our Twitter handle is always open or threads if we ever get one. I don't know. Um, but the first question uh, was from a was from a few weeks back from at the underscore dude 1121. Do you think Jed will be at the U of A for five more years? Oh, that is a great question. In many ways, I guess, can I answer that? I hope not. <laughs> I was I was going to say, is it a good or bad thing if he is? That's my I, corollary question. Yeah, I think if he's good enough to be around for five more years, chances are he's going to have multiple opportunities to leave. Now, he's shown... Like, the job hopperness of his past, I don't worry about that anymore. I don't. Like, he wanted this opportunity. He wanted to be a college football coach, a head coach, and he is that. So he's not, like, I don't think he's looking to go anywhere. But if, say, Michigan opened up, you know, he spent time there, if Harbaugh decides to leave, if an SEC, if if Jed Fish gets Arizona to winning eight games, nine games, he's going to have those opportunities. Now, does he look at Arizona and say, they gave me my shot, my loyalty is here, I can win here, I'm going to stay. Maybe I could see that, but the amount of money some other programs could offer, the amount of prestige, the amount of resources other programs have could be better, would most likely be better than what Arizona can offer at that point. So I wouldn't blame him for leaving if it happened. And if he did, like we said before, Arizona probably can get a pretty good coach. It'll be a much better situation than what it was when they hired Jet Fish. Right? Yeah. So I do. I think he'll be the coach in five years. Probably not. And I'm okay with that. Because yeah, I think I, it's because he's getting fired. Yeah, I, I I think I agree with your probably not assessment and your general approach to the question. Um, 
I think that the way I, I, I almost want to just like dissect of like Jed's motivations, right? Like you kind of hinted on some of them. And like, I do think he's, I think his loyalty to Arizona for giving him that first shot will be a really good tiebreaker if it's like a similar situation, right? Um, but also if somebody's going to literally offer double the money, how many people are going to turn down double the money no matter what their job is? Right. It was Jay Johnson looking to leave Arizona baseball. Probably not. When LSU comes calling and offers what they had to offer, you listen, you go, and then you win a championship two years later. I was going to say, and Jay Johnson, nobody heard from again. Um, <laughs> but was it like when Rich Rodriguez, what year was it that he was, was it South Carolina, I think, was after yeah. him? After Arizona was that after they won the Pac-12 South that year? And I like so, they yeah. offered him and he was interested, but he ended up turning him down. Like that will happen. If you can win at a high level at Arizona football, uh, their programs are going to think, hey, if he can do that there, what can they do here? You know. But, and I think the more interesting, nuanced aspect of uh, like diving into Jed Fish's decision making, um, you know, you used you you refer to some of the resources, and I think you also said prestige. And like, I did. You know, like I'd be curious to know how he values those things because those are like resources are straight up tangible things that ostensibly help you win. But also, does he look at whatever conference Arizona is in going forward and their situation and their recruiting base and the support he has internally from the, and, you know, with the program, you know, I guess, does he value prestige for prestige's sake and resources for resources sake beyond just his own pay? Right. Because mm-hmm. um, I think Arizona has pretty decent resources for the type of program they are today. And that, you know that can change with time, right? You know, Arte Moreno can write a really big check and uh, Arizona can have lots of resources. And I think, you know, partially due to Jed Fish, but like Arizona's done pretty well in recruiting because they've done really well with football in the NIL situation, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So I think there's multiple variables here that make it an interesting question. You know, I'm inclined to say he won't be here in five years, more slightly more likely than he will. But I I don't see I think I I only see him leaving for good reasons for Arizona and hopefully there's an you know a big buyout if that happens that and Arizona's a program on the rise in a recruiting hotbed on the rise mm-hmm. of the state of Arizona. That Arizona's in a you know they bought they they bought a lottery ticket with Jed Fish, and we talked about it at the time when I mean I think we were both skeptical of the hire, and it's like well you know on the surface like this is the kind of guy you might want to bet on, but who knows, right? Um, and I think the job hopping thing has been a little bit played out, and like <laughs> oh yeah, I don't worry about that. And I mean, like I saw on one of the boards, somebody's like, he's never been in a job more than two years. I'm like, yes, he has. The one he's in right now, you dummy. And he never <laughs> been a head coach before either. Yeah. And that's where. The loyalty where I want him to have opportunities to leave and I want him to not leave. You know, I want him to show that he can get the job done. I think he will. I really like what he's doing. He clearly has the drive to be a great head coach and to build Arizona or just be a successful head coach. And, you know, maybe he looks at it and says, I could go to a more established program, you know, that's coming off a down year. There's a reason I could be looking for a coach and I can win there, the resources, the money, the pay, all that. Or he want, could have that want be his legacy where, he is the Lute Olsen of football for U of A. You know, yep. he's the guy who's at Arizona, shows he can win. And granted, no one's expecting you to win a national championship in Arizona. 
you get your statue for going to a Rose Bowl if that happens. <laughs> you know, you get your statue for winning eight to ten games every year. You're going to be remembered as the best coach in Arizona football. You know, you know, with respect to Dick Tomey, of course, he was like that guy, and he's is that guy for now. But the expectations are slightly lower at Arizona than they would be at other schools. Does Jed Fish embrace expectations? I imagine so. I don't think he's scared of that stuff. Yeah. But it is there is a possibility that he wins enough at Arizona and they support him enough financially, you know, and give the resources and allow him to keep winning, give him what he needs to win, what he think he need what he thinks he needs to win. And he's like, you know what? I like it here. You know, yeah. I like the weather, I like the university, I like the support I have. I can win here, I can build my legacy here. I'm gonna be Jed Fish. I mean, remember it as Jed Fish, football coach at University of Arizona. Like that could happen. Yeah. But I mean, it also could turn out that he wins a lot of games and some SEC school says, you know what, triple your salary, come do that for us. And, you know, getting lots of money, resources, prestige, and SEC visibility always works out, right, Jimbo Fisher? <laughs> right. So the grass isn't always greener. Yeah. Like that's but like it doesn't it doesn't solve the itself right and that's when not was, success right when was the i don't even i don't know when was the last time arizona had a a coach like a, a football coach who poached. just left like poached yeah i mean the ones in recent memory have all been fired like well there were a lot of retreads that blew out yeah oh i know I, but that that's the thing so like the best programs like obviously the best programs keep their coaches for as long as they want them but even then there are certain schools that can just offer far more than you could reasonably offer who could take your coach, but they don't do that unless you have a good coach and you've won. So if we're having this conversation where if we're three years from now saying, Oh man, Arizona's looking for a new football coach. And it's not going to be because they fired fish. I don't see that happening in the next five years. You know, not with the roster, not with recruiting that he's doing, they're going to be too good for him to be fired over the next five years. So if he leaves, it's because he did a really good job or good enough job to be poached which means Arizona football is in a much better place than it was when he was hired, which is all you want out of a coach. Like, obviously, you want him to stay if he's good. But as long as he doesn't leave you, like, think of what Kevin Sumlin left, you know? Like, I'm a dumpster fire. You don't want that, and I don't think Jed Fish should be leaving that if he leaves or when he leaves. So, you know, no, something to worry about only because he's doing a great job. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a it's – a, I, I, I honestly don't know the last time they had a coach that was poached because the last, like, successful football coach, I mean, it was kind of – rich rod but like with longevity it was dick tomey right yeah i don't know if, i don't know if you recall he was kind of getting uh he had the most wins in the pack in the 90s and people were still like getting tired of uh you know halfback dives up the middle and he kind of gracefully exited and maybe he shouldn't have but well you know you have a chance to get john makovic you just have to do it oh god we went to school we went to the school at arizona at the wrong time adam we certainly did but so, yeah, I, I like that we're worried about this because it's a worry of like, hey, we like what Jed Fish is doing. He's showing that Arizona can be more than what we thought it was. Will this last? You know, and hopefully it does. But if it doesn't, we're going to have some pretty good memories and some good teams and some fun times on the way there. Yeah. One And one last point, because we've belabored this, I think, com- completely, but also it's, will Jed it, Fish still be the coach by the time we're done talking about whether or not Jed Fish will be the coach? <laughs> it's been 84 years. Uh, um, football programs are programs. People like to compare it to basketball as the other big sport. Basketball is year to year. It changes over, right? Mm-hmm. Football programs get built class after class where you don't even see anybody. And, and so like people that make that comparison are maybe, you know, not it's not a fair comparison, no. but 
it also leads into our next question, Adam, um, from uh, this handsome sounding uh, Twitter handle at Ronnie underscore Stoffel. Uh, how, <laughs> hi, Ronnie. Uh, he, Ronnie asks, how much different is next season's men's basketball team than last season? And I'm going to pair this with uh, at Ryan Ringdahl's question just because I think it's going to pair together. Uh, Ryan asks for the projected starting lineup for men's basketball next year. Well, I mean, the roster has what, like eight new players? Something like that. So it's going to just, at a literal sense, it's going to look very different. But that's just the nature of college basketball these days, the nature of Arizona basketball. I imagine the question is more, and Ronnie, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, you listen back to this, they're going to look a lot different just on the court, the style they play with. And maybe not, okay, maybe not the style because they're going to run Tommy Lloyd's system, but they're going to be, I think they're going to be a tougher team, a deeper team, and a more athletic team than what we saw last season. So, like a lot of the things that Arizona was missing last year, I think they have now with the additions and what they've brought to the roster. So I think they're going to look very different while maybe running some of the same stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah. Can I add another thing that was missing last year at times that won't be in this year's team? Uh, Last year, there was times where some guys, a a lot of guys were afraid to take a shot. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, And even guys that weren't afraid to weren't necessarily the most capable to generate their own shot. Like Pell Larson. Like Mm -hmm. Pell Larson's a good player, not afraid to take a shot, but he's not going to, beat a lot of guys off the dribble. He's just a good, well-rounded guy. You know, uh, Jaden Bradley, Caleb Love, even Kylan Boswell likely moving into the starting lineup. It's a it's a different it's a different mindset, I think. Mm-hmm. And I 100% agree with the toughness. I think Shaw Johnson might be one of the most important pickups, even though he's not the highest rated guy, um, just because hopefully he is that dog. He has defensive versatility. I think he's going to guard a lot of teams threes, actually. Um, especially with, you know, some of the, the Euro guys like Crevis, I think could be a guy that starts potentially. Um, but like, I don't know if he's got the, the foot speed to be, uh, you know, guarding an athletic wing, but Kashad Johnson is only six, seven and maybe, and maybe has that athleticism, mm-hmm. right? I think there's some interesting pairings there. You know, Umar Balo is going to be Umar Balo. Uh, so, you know, what you're getting there. I think Pell Larson is going to be Pell Larson. But all of the pieces around them are going to be different. And I, you know, I think Kylan Boswell is going to be a different player just by being a year older. And like people forget he was coming off of an injury and reclassed was a year young. I saw his- him in the first round of next year's mock draft. Someone had an NBA mock draft for next year. And Kylan Boswell was like the 23rd pick or something like that. Yeah. No, his, uh, some, I don't know how like people both like, Kind of, I mean, Arizona fans, I think, know, but I think people forget nationally how good Kylan Boswell is expected to be and what his potential yeah. is. Quietly, like, because Arizona's offseason was getting all these big names. You get Caleb Love, you get Kashad Johnson, you get Jaden Bradley, and you forget that Kylan Boswell's there. <laughs> he was on the team last season. He was getting better and better as the season went on, and like there was a case to be made that he should have been more, got more minutes, more time at the one last season, even as it went down. So, yeah, he's going to be really good. Yeah. So, so uh, to Ryan's question, Ryan Ringdahl's, what's your uh, what's your most likely starting lineup, Adam? I think it's gonna be Boswell, Caleb Love, Tubelis. Wait, Top Velas Tubelis is starting. Right. Not Tubelis. Not Tubelis. Uh, <laughs> Pella Larson. Yeah. <laughs> Pella Larson. I- <laughs> Todd Velas has spent he's made it, he spent his time. He's ready. All right, Todd Velas, you've done everything asked of you. 
Um, <laughs> L. Larson. Well, actually, no, because I kind of like Larson off the bench. Shoot. All right, let me start over. <laughs> let me start over. Azulis Tubelis. Azulis Tubelis, Kirk Creesa. <laughs> Courtney Ray. No, I mean, Kylan Boswell was like, he's a guaranteed start. Caleb yeah. Love's not in Arizona to come off the bench. So, I mean, that's your backcourt. I imagine they might go with, now I think about Pell Arson off the bench because he's shown to be so good in that role. And I imagine he, if he's willing to do it again, then have him be your sixth man, which I don't know if that puts Kashad Johnson in the starting lineup at the three. Or if you do him at the four and put Jaden Bradley, kind of go with a smaller, quicker lineup. Um, and then you know, if you have, I don't know if it's Vesar and Balo or if it's Krivas and Balo, I don't know how they could go with this quickness or the size and all that. Um, okay, so let me... Because we were asked the question, let me let me give you're it just, to you. You're just naming all of every the combination. Ad. Yeah, just every combination is possible. We go Boswell, Love, Bradley, Johnson, and Follow. I mean, I think that's one of the number of reasons. <laughs> that's what, there's there's the the good thing for Arizona, and it may become a bad thing for Arizona, but it's like a good problem to have. Where there's like eight different starting lineups or more that are. Are viable, right? Well, we don't know, if, like Maroskas, what he could do. Philip coming into his second season, you know, like maybe with these offseason terms they've been in. And Krius, I know he's just, I think his team was just eliminated in the U nineteen one, but he's apparently really good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, you want you want to start big Philly style? Oh man, that's a good T-shirt name. Dylan Anderson <laughs> with an offseason of growth could be. He has some potential to maybe play the four for them. So like I, but that that's my guess is that of the main guys, like Larson comes off the bench, everyone else starts. <laughs> I so I don't I would I'm gonna say I do not think that there's a world in which Caleb Love comes off the bench, but in a weird way, I think he would be an ideal sixth man off the bench where he can just come in and cook, right? And just like yeah, go go score. Um, but I just I don't think that's a possibility. I think, you know, Balo you can put, you know, in pen. I think Boswell you can put in pen. Yeah, you right? got two sort there are two that are guaranteed no matter what. You're one and you're five. And I, and I think Kashad Johnson is all but in pen. But at the, your, at the three or the four. I mean, probably at the four, but it's like, you know, your position is more about who you can guard rather than how you play offensively, especially sure. with Umar. Like, except for Umar Balo, he's he's playing in the low block, right? Um, he develops a three-point shot and he's just hanging out at the perimeter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, watch him watch him take guys off the dribble and spin move and kill three guys on the way. Um no, it's you know, I so I think Kashad Johnson starts also just because of his defensive versatility, toughness, yeah. and and defense, right? Um, and I think he's going to be getting a lot of minutes in the in, in the in the second half as the game's winding down because that's where defense becomes extra valuable, right? And his experience is you know, he's dude just played in the national title game, right? Um yeah, and then you get to, I think the really interesting question is around Jaden Bradley, Pell Larson, and I, st- I, I think Krivas is like the, the sneaky guy that might um, start or, or, or the, the other, the other Euro guy. Like one of those guys, I think I'm, I'm blanking on his name. You just said his Moroskis. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of those guys I think is going to be considerably, it's, it's probably actually, I think I take it back. I think it's Moroskis that's probably the better one. Um, this is how he fits because, like, if Krivas is like a low post big, can he fit next to Umar? Yeah. I think probably that's... not. Um, I mean, yeah, Moraskis, I, 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 I'm getting my euros mixed, Adam. Um, well, I got my 
roster years mixed apparently so like it's whatever we're rusty <laughs> or you were just trying to start tepulous tupelas um, no i think i it's it's Moroskis, uh that i meant to say because like i think he is i mean he's been looking good in the euro league the under 19 or under 20 uh whatever one's going on he's an interesting guy because i think he's built like a four physically but probably plays more like a three which is an interesting pairing with mm-hmm. kashad johnson who's built like a three and maybe plays like a four if that makes sense but that means you could also have them both on the court because they could probably guard it, they it's guard. yeah it's if they're 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 more interchangeable in both skill sets and and otherwise right mm-hmm. um and then you know if you're not taking caleb love off the bench i do like Jaden bradley off the bench as a guy that wants to drive um i actually think he might like i think balo uh i think i think when they do the first substitution, I think Arizona substitute six and seventh guys. Mm-hmm. And I think all coming out and Bradley's coming in for sure. And then the other one is whoever is not starting of the guys we're mentioning of like Moroskis and Pella. Right. Um, and so like, I think, cause I think, I, I think Jaden Bradley wants to drive. Umar Balo is going to be in the, you know, on the low block. So they're actually probably not the best to be on the court together that much. Right. Caleb Love, I think, is more versatile offensively, where he can drive or Oswell create. Too. Yeah, Oswell, like uh, everybody else, is a little bit more flexible. Jaden Bradley is a little more, you know, drive and dish. At least from what we saw as a freshman, right? Yeah, He'd probably grown a little bit since then. Yeah. Can, um, I, can I can I hit something here for us? Sure. I interrupt you. Is that the starting lineup on game one is not going to be the same starting lineup in the tournament? I think with this roster and the amount of growth, there's a lot of unknowns too with these European guys. With Moraskis, will he be ready to play? With Krivas, you know, like there are certain guys I could see. Like I don't think Azulis Tubelis. I know he's not on the team this year. Remember, I know that now. But he didn't. <laughs> you're, start. you're very good at this, Adam. Yeah, I, I, I'm learning as we go. Like he did not start as a freshman. He kind of worked. I think him, Ben Mathern, they didn't start beginning but by the end of the season they were starters for that arizona team i see that being the case for some of these guys does that mean i think caleb loves coming off the bench probably not At the same time i agree with you he could be the type of guy who like you're going to get 30 minutes a game off the bench for this team you're going to play and mm-hmm. with a certain lineup maybe you get to be your skill set translates better and works better with other guys like that's that's your tommy lloyd to figure out because like normally we could go into a season you know the roster is set and we'd be like okay this is the starting lineup we can't do that right now, not easily, because there's so much unknown to us. But I imagine there's still so much unknown to the coaching staff. They got to see how these guys fit together, what they can do, how comfortable they are with each other, and kind of dictate their lineups accordingly, starting and otherwise. Yeah, I'm. I'm even curious to know, and I know this is a almost an unreasonable thing to ask of like teenage basketball players of like. Does Tommy Lloyd even approach this roster like a, a major league manager may, where he changes it game to game based on matchups? Probably not, because I think your goal is to have teams have to match up with you, mm-hmm. right? You don't want to like, why are you changing what you do? Find what you do, do it as good as you can, and make other teams figure it out. Like make them adjust to you. But within games, obviously with a foul trouble or someone rolls an ankle or someone's struggling, ideally he has options off the bench to mix and match then you know they could have used some of these guys probably last year against princeton for example you know like <laughs> there's more guys off the bench that you can count on that you're not you don't have a adama ball on the bench you just can't you don't trust or when your top big is henry vasar who like his potential he might break out this season but he just wasn't ready 
you know, or same thing with Dylan Anderson. Like to have more guys who you think you can turn to makes a coach's job that much easier. Yeah. I mean, even naming some of those guys you just named, part of me just wants to see Tommy Lloyd uh in a in a non conference game that doesn't matter, just keep cycling in seven footers. Just Mind change <laughs> and just mess with the other team. Um, you know, the one the one thing is for sure and that you know, there's there's more depth on this year's roster than there there has been in the past. And we think the, so. Anyway. Well, but, I mean part of it is by design. Like guys like, you know, Philly B were not really supposed to necessarily contribute right away. Henry Vasar was maybe and then, you know, he showed flashes, but certainly was not consistent enough and needed to put weight on. You know, does another, you know, another year he could be a different player uh, and, you know, 20 pounds of muscle. You know, he might have the highest upside of any of the Arizona's bigs or any of Arizona's players for that matter. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the things you know you're getting uh, are, you know, I think you know who Omar Balo is, but even he's progressed more than I think we could have hoped for after transferring. You know, this his first couple games that is an Arizona Wildcat do not reflect what he is today, right? right? Um, people need to remember that when they talk about like Henry Vasar, right? Um, and like you know what you're getting with Caleb Love, and you I think you know what you're getting with Kashaw Johnson, but even Kashaw Johnson was in a very different offensive system where he may be a different offensive player than we're assuming he is. But right? the skill set, athleticism, yeah. the experience, the talent, like you know what type of players on the court. And you could probably say the same thing for Boswell too. They know what they have in Kyle and Boswell, which is probably why they were so comfortable with Kirk Creaso leaving. <laughs> you know? So but that's what did you just name three guys? You know what you have in Pella Larson? Four guys. Yeah. After that you have some unknowns, but a higher hit rate, higher chance of hitting on these guys, especially with some like Moroskis looks good and Krivas looks more ready to play, maybe yeah. than Philly B did last season. Yeah. Or maybe than better than Basar did last season. Like you, you seem to have quality and quantity and a little bit of experience and age, right? And flexibility. I mean, it's a big roster up and down. You have wings, you have bigs, you have guards. Like you have, I think I said it before, one of our last pods was that. I don't think they're missing anything. Like, obviously, if everything goes well for them, they're not missing and they're going to win a national championship. But just skill-wise, what they could have, it all fits. It all creates just what could be a tough, skilled, athletic, deep basketball team, which, you know, I'm no expert, but I think that's good. <laughs> you know, you should you should write about Arizona sports with those kind of those kind of takes, Adam. Easy did it, someone was lucky to have me. Clearly. What else we got? Any more questions? Right. I think there's one more question. Uh, you know, the the handsome at Ronnie underscore Stoffel did a quote retweet of another question. So I don't know if Ronnie gets credit for this or if uh, at Iron Mike Luke uh, of uh, P- PHNX Sports uh, gets this one where he asked, are there Arizona fans out there that still want to stay in the pack? I mean, probably. I would assume there are. Like, I I don't want them to leave the conference unless, of course, the conference is about to implode. Right? Like, I don't care where, what conference. I mean, they're not going to the SEC. They're not going to get a Big Ten invite. If the PAC is the best conference for them, if the PAC can somehow find a way to survive and thrive, then stay. Like, the geographical conference is nice, you know? But at the same time, I don't know what the PAC-12 can do once – UCLA and USC leave, which is after next season, right? Like this coming up season is their last in the conference. What does the pack get to replace them? 
And if it's just like, I think what it was supposed to be San Diego State, and now they're saying they're not going anywhere. Like, I don't know what they get to survive. So in that regard, if a Big 12 offer is there, like we thought it might be, that sounds pretty appealing to me, you know? Because I just don't want Arizona to be stuck in a conference that's useless. I don't want them to be left behind. I don't want them to be, you know, part of a sinking ship if they don't have to be. So do I want them to stay in the back in a perfect world? Yes. But from what it seems like from my vantage point, that probably won't be the best move. Yeah, I I think I agree in that, like, all else being equal, I would rather Arizona stay in the pack, right? Um, I mean, I wish Arizona, uh, USC and UCLA weren't leaving, and, you know, maybe the expansion to the pack 16 four years ago that sounded crazy at the time, that actually was the smart the smart play, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not 100% sold that the Big 12 is the best answer, but it may be the most likely mid mid to long-term answer. Um, and like, you got to weigh a, a number of things here, right? Like, would, like, would, would you want Arizona go to go to the big 10 for the money and exposure if they're going to get beat up on in like right. in football, right? Would you, would you rather be the big fish in the small pond or, you know, like if Arizona say, cause Arizona, yeah, let's, if, let's, let's call Vanderbilt to ask them about their stance in the SEC. Like if Arizona football gets better, right? Arizona, like Jed Fish does what he's been doing. When Arizona gets to be like an eight, nine win team in the conference, which, you know, we just, the roster is good. It's not a Pac-12 roster where it's just, you know, like the Rich Rod good where it's like, okay, if they were playing bigger teams, they're going to get smoked. Like it's a good NFL style roster that can probably compete in some of these other conferences. You're not going to win it, but you can compete. Then maybe you are more attracted to some of those bigger, some of those other conferences to try to poach you. And I just don't know if Arizona is willing to leave. I know Robbins had some quotes a few weeks back where he's like, well, you know, we could leave. We don't have to go with ASU. There's nothing that ties them together, but they'd rather stay with ASU. And I agree with that. Those people are like, oh, let's separate them. No, I'd, I'd like them being in the council with ASU. That's a nice rivalry yep. to have. Like, I don't want to, you know, leave ASU if we don't have to. But then if ASU is determined to stay in the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 is sinking, I don't want to go down with them. So if the, the Big 12 is the lifeline, if that's the life raft to you know, climb out of it, then I'm for it because I could see, especially in basketball, great value being in that conference. Oh, sure. And football's not bad either. Like, Arizona might be good Big 12-level football. Like, they're not going to be SEC. They're probably not going to be Big 10. But, you know, Big 12, I know TCU just had a nice season up until the last game. But, yeah. you know, I that's the level of football I would think Arizona could maybe aspire to be, and it'd be fine. And the geograph- the, ge- geograph- the geography isn't horrible. In the Big 12. It's not as good as the Pac-12, but it wouldn't be at horrible necessarily. But you do lose the California recruiting base to some extent in the Big 12 that you don't uh, staying in the West, more in the West. I mean, with UCLA and USC leaving already, you know. No, I, I know. And that's and that's where there's... there's Cal multiple. and Stanford, no one goes to those games. Yeah. I, I, well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um but like, if you add San Diego State, you still have a you know a drivable game from LA for the families of like fo- I'm thinking football recruiting, right? Because sure, that's where sure. that like you you it's not you know a three man recruiting class like it is for basketball or where you recruit nationally. And if you're trying to recruit in football against Texas schools in the state of Texas, you know you're it's just a different thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know I I'm curious to see how it plays out. I think that no matter what. The short-term outcome is I think things are going to change in four to five years again in some way. I don't know what that's going to look like. I think in my dream scenario, 
the Big Ten becomes one of like three super conferences where they basically remerge, you know, the best of the Pac-12 in a West bubble uh, or a bracket with like Washington, Oregon, and the Arizona, you know, Arizona football rises to the level uh, that it adds value combined with, you know, there's a lot of people in the Midwest and the state of Arizona, but there a lot of them live in Phoenix population wise. Like I actually think Arizona and ASU as a pair for the Big Ten are an undervalued asset for eyeballs uh, that people just don't quite realize because there's so much Midwest roots here, right? Um, and if you were able to combine that with USC, UCLA, Washington, and Oregon, that's a pretty compelling West pod of a mega conference, right? Yes, that's true. Um, and I think the Arizona schools bring more to that than Utah or Colorado, uh, personally. Um, and, you know, God, God love Washington State and Oregon State. They're going to have a great time in the, the you know, the Mountain West. West. <laughs> I, I do think of Arizona, like Arizona basketball is obviously attractive to any, any conference that's out there. And that's what the Big 12 wants. They want Arizona basketball. They're, you know, they'll take Arizona football, but they want Arizona basketball. If football can get to, can show that it can play at a high level and be, you're not going to be a drain. You know, there's not going to be any more one win seasons or zero win seasons. Then all of a sudden, Arizona athletics as a whole is that much more appealing to maybe someone like the Big Ten? And yes, with the Big Ten adding two LA schools, maybe they'll decide in a couple of years, yeah, they want to have a little bit more of a presence out west. And maybe UCLA and USC will be like, hey, you know, it'd be nice to be able to travel a little bit closer to home every now and then. Yeah. I th- and try to push for that. Like, I, I do think you're right. Like, the conference realignment isn't done. Just to like, the back to this question of like staying in the pack, I, there are people who know more about this than I do. And hopefully, like, Robbie Robbins and Dave Hickey and all the people who can make a decision no more than I do. But just my biggest fear is that they turn down an opportunity. Kind of like how Larry Scott and the mega conversation happened. And all of a sudden now look at the Pac-12. You know? <laughs> like if that had happened, I forget how long ago it was because time has no meaning when you're our age. But if, if Pac-12 had done that and gone to the Pac-16, it's a whole different conversation. But it didn't happen, and now it's the pack that's getting raided and might be on the brink of collapse. So yeah. I just don't and, want Arizona to be a part of that. I don't want Arizona to end up in the Mountain West because they missed yeah. an opportunity to. Like I'd rather leave the conference too soon than too, too late. late. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I agree with that. Um, and I'll just I I've I think I've said it before. I think after USC and UCLA moved to the Big Ten, I think people are also underrating the grumbling and the budgetary costs and the taxing nature on the student athletes for not football uh, of like when the women's swim and men's swimming and dive team have to travel to New Jersey and, you know, to Wisconsin. And like, they're just never like it, it accelerates um, the athletes as just, you know, professional players and not students. Right. And that doesn't work for the non-revenue sports. And I think that there's going to be a, more grumbling than people expect for that once the reality of of that happens um that i think will nudge i'm not saying it's going to happen but i think it will nudge the mega conference where maybe the big 10 wants to have a more regional pod that arizona could step into uh as a basketball powerhouse like you know one of the top five monetary brands and then if football becomes you know you know on the on a level of parity with a competitive program you know, there's a lot of value there, especially when combined with the population of Phoenix and the eight trillion ASU uh, alums that are spread around the country. That ostensibly, you know, some of them can buy products that have that they see com- on commercials. Yeah, I mean, there is like when you say like with UCLA and USC, like so they're getting the money to go to the Big Ten. That's great. 
do fans really care what conference you're in as long as you they just want you to win, right? Win, maybe go to big bowl games, go to you know NCAA tournaments and all that stuff. But all otherwise, it's just what patches on your uniform, you know? And yeah, your schedule, but like you just want to win. <laughs> and like I don't think too many people are like, oh, we're a Big Ten school. Look at us. Like, congratulations. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, so you're, just, you're playing those teams. Good. Like, dude, it's, Adam, Adam, I just want to be able to watch Arizona football without having to search through like 17,000 streaming right, options like, or, you know, channels and sub-regional channels. There are certainly advantages to those conferences. The average fan probably doesn't care about those. You know, they right. just want to watch their games. They want their teams to win. And yeah, that's it. They're still going to do all their home games. Even if they're not traveling, they're going to go to their home games and yeah. what have you. But can, I, I, can yeah. I give you an, a potentially unpopular opinion? I actually think the pack should just take the money and run and go 100% streaming because that's where it's going to be in four years. Maybe. <laughs> like, I mean, they're still figuring out what they're going to do with their TV rights. Like, that's part of the issue is we just don't oh, know. It's been it's been imminent. Uh, you know, it's just waiting. It the Pac-12 deal is like waiting for Godot. I want to say it's been like about a year since the announcement of UCLA and USC happened. So yeah, I mean, it's Pac-12's had a year. George K has had a year to kind of figure out what they're doing, and so far they don't seem to have any decision. But I think, like, I think you hit on it, Brett. Like this, this isn't over with conference realignment. And as long as Arizona, like, I I do trust Robert Robbins because he's a sports guy. Mm-hmm. Like Arizona has a president who cares about sports, so he's not gonna send his hands and be caught off guard by anything. I do think he has an idea. And as long as the people who are in charge are up to date on all the facts and the projections and all that, I'm going to trust that they'll make the right decision for Arizona. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, to that question, why am I the pack? Sure. But if only if that's the right move for them, <laughs> if I mean, that's the right thing to do. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, maybe, maybe George will come up with something creative to get some national TV distribution. Uh, you know, you know, I, I think I saw the ACC is going on this the CW, uh, you know, when they announced some combination of streaming and the, the dark horse here, Adam pack, pack 10, pack 12 football on PBS. They're in every household, man. I love it. You know, antiques roadshow leading into Arizona football. I'm about it. <laughs> well, we know. We, we know you're big in the antique George show. Brett, is that is that is that the last of our mailbag? Yes. And All probably right. that was a, really good for everyone that it is. It's a long mailbag, but great questions, everybody. Thank you again for asking. Of course, we're on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. And yeah, we'll have to think of a threads handle. That should probably be a thing too. And when we think of that, we'll let you know about what it is, and then you can ask us questions there as well. But thanks again to everyone who sent their questions, especially the very handsome Ronnie Stoffel. So Brett, let's take a break and we come back. A little more things happen with Arizona. There's prospects in their European leagues. There's baseball draft. There's some scheduling news. Let's talk about some news and notes. Wildcat Radio 2.0, one segment to go. We're going to do some news and notes here because you know it's been, it's been a while since we recorded. A lot, of course, has happened. We've talked about a lot of it in the first segment. We talked about NFL or Arizona football recruiting. Last thing, we had the mailbag, which kind of touched on basketball and football, which was fun. But Major League Baseball draft happened, and I don't think there are too many surprises for Arizona baseball, who they lost. You know, Chase Davis was a first-round pick, which is awesome. You know, that was expected, and looking forward to watching him. St. Louis Cardinals got him, which makes sense, because they're generally a smart organization. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I think Arizona lost one of their pitching prospects, one of their signees, um, Blake Wolters, who went 44th overall. That was not unexpected either. That hurts because Arizona needs pitching. (laughs) But Overall, it doesn't seem like the draft went too poorly for Arizona. The players who you expected to be drafted were drafted, and some that you weren't sure 
who could come back still, you know, didn't get picked and Arizona might not be totally rated. Their recruiting class wasn't destroyed via the draft, which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, how you look at it, but yeah, Arizona baseball kind of went into the draft and came out, I think as expected. Yeah. I think my most disappointing thing of the the draft was that Kiko Romero got drafted by the Yankees. Cause I do not want to root for the Yankees. I actually have a Yankees hat now. I went to a Yankees game last weekend and got a hat. So I don't think they're my American league team, but I don't hate them anymore. That $35 spent on that hat means I can't hate them anymore. I I see where your values lie, Adam, and it's in a $35 hat. <laughs> yes. It's <laughs> a pretty sweet hat. I'll have to show it to you sometime. All right. Fair enough. As a, as somebody that is something of a hat collector, I, I can't hate that much. <laughs> no, but I, I'm actually fairly confident he's going to be a – Kiko Romero is going to be a guy that uh, – you know, rises through the ranks quickly and becomes one of those guys that, especially in a big market, uh, like, and uh, you know, with the Yankees, like the biggest brand, you know, if he's a guy that just hits, hits close to 320 home runs and has, you know, doesn't strike out a ton. Like he's going to be like, a a, you know, a you know, guys, some guys, uh, maybe got, uh, more luster than they deserved, uh, for their stats, I you know, Paul O'Neill, for example, like nice player, but yeah. like if he if it was Paul O'Neill for the you know San Diego Padres, would he be Paul O'Neill? Probably not. I mean, he would still be called Paul O'Neill. Well, he was Paul yes. O'Neill and was on the Reds, you know. And but who remembers him? Who who can picture him in a Reds uniform? Evidently, uh, me. <laughs> I mean. Who who are you anymore? You bought a Yankees hat, <laughs> Paul O'Neill with the Reds. What is happening? We're off the rails. <laughs> but I mean, like, I, I think Arizona, like TJ Nichols was picked in the sixth round. Plenty of potential there. Didn't materialize in Arizona, but good for him, right? Like I don't, I don't begrudge anybody. But some of the players like Mac Bingham wasn't picked. Tony Bullard wasn't picked. Trevor Long, Dawson Nance, you know, Tonko Susak, uh, Zastro. Like Arizona has some guys who were contributors who could come back, which is good. You want that to happen. I mean, you want guys who are good to get drafted, but you also don't mind having guys like Tony Bullard if he comes back, coming back. You know, if Mac Bingham comes back, that's a good thing for Arizona baseball. So, you know, I, it hurts that they lost their best pitching prospect, but <laughs> they probably anticipated that. Like, good. I think I remember when ASU had a player, like they had this draft class that, like, their guys got picked. They were celebrating, like, yep, we signed guys who never made it to campus. Look at us go. Like, okay, you know, like, good on you for identifying players, but it's hard to get the best guys to campus, right? Especially the way scholarships are. And with the maybe League Baseball draft, like, if you can go be a first-round pick or a second-round pick and make good money to start your minor league career, like, you know, like, that did, happens. Did, did Arizona Baseball's Twitter handle uh, take credit for a top first-round pick like uh, ASU did last year for their guy that was never going to make it to That's campus? That's what I mean, right? Yeah. Like. Like Blake Walters never suited up for Arizona, you know, he signed with them, but he never suited up. Is he a wildcat? No, like I don't begrudge him at all. Wish him the best of luck, but he's not an Arizona wildcat. He never played for the Arizona wildcats. So, like, like, but regardless, I think Arizona baseball, we talked about before they're going to next season. There's a lot of pressure on Chip Hale, especially after, you know, they rallied to finish and make the tournament this past season, but then flamed out pretty quickly. You know, can he rebuild this roster? Can he keep it going what he had? Can he rebuild the pitching staff? Made changes on the coaching staff, too. Like, I don't think the draft is going to be a reason why they struggle. I mean, they lost some players, but they lost players that they expected to lose. So, ideally, yeah. Chip Hale wasn't caught with his pants down, so to speak. Like, oh, no, we have to replace that guy now? 
Well, like, and I, I think Kiko Romero was a guy that he brought to the roster, he right? Did. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and like, it's it's going to be kind of a, it's going to be a pivotal year, either in a positive or negative direction for Chip Hale. There's still talent there. You know, you don't replace Chase Davis easily. You know, I'm happy to see TJ Nichols get drafted because they're clearly drafting him that high on upside, which he certainly has. Mm-hmm. And if they can figure it out, he could, you know, he's a guy that might make Arizona baseball look really good. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but despite his struggles this year. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, baseball recruiting and roster construction, as we've talked about, I think pretty at length for so far as podcasts go for all the nuance of that. It's, it's a weird fickle thing um, that relies a lot on walk-ons and partial scholarships and your ability to identify and develop talent more than anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, we're going to know a lot more about uh, Chip Hale's future as the head coach, 12 months from now than we do today. I'll put it that way. Certainly. Um, other things that happened, the FIBA under 20 European championships are happening. Uh, Krivis' team, Lithuania, went pretty far. They made it to the quarterfinals, but you know, he was a double-double machine, playing really well. And I see, I saw some tweets about how people like, he's going to be a problem for Arizona. Like, he's going to be just, he's a talented, big, good skill. And, you know, he's got a lot to prove still, but he, you know, 14 points in, 13 in, his, last, in his most recent game, 14 and 15 the game before, like the talent is there. I guess for the tournament, he averaged 13.6 points, 10.2 rebounds and 2.4 assists and almost two blocks. Like you'll take that. So it's nice to see Arizona's European players, especially in these tournaments play well, right? Like Philip was in some of the games. Like, okay, it's nice to see him do some things, especially I think Henry Vesar. Same. It's like just more, a lot of these guys who didn't play a lot of basketball last season for Arizona to see them play, get them competitive games where it's, yeah, they're not playing for Arizona. Things they do there could translate, you know, not upset about, and I just I think it speaks to the talent on that basketball team that like we talked about in the mailbag. Like there's there's a lot of talent on that team, especially with guys who, you know, coming from overseas. Yeah, agreed. I'm actually really intrigued to see those guys uh, once we get on campus. I'm I'm curious to see. You know, usually there's some, you know, bubbling up of like, oh, this guy looks like a different player or better than expected. You know, I'm not necessarily expecting the Lowry Marketing, but. You know, one of these guys may make a big leap or be closer to that than we expect right now. And that fundamentally changes the expectations for this year's men's team. Absolutely. And one more football note came out today. Uh, Arizona's media day for foot pectal media day. You have Jaden Delora and Traden Stukes represent him, which, you know, especially with Delora could be like, huh, that's an interesting choice. Not because of the quarterback, but because we know like the, his offseason has been a little bit rocky. I think I kind of like it. In so much that if he's ready for it, if he was cool with this, right, he has to agree to this, I'm sure, that he's ready to answer the questions he knows are going to be asked. He can be prepared with whatever he's going to say. And hopefully, it may not work this way, but hopefully get the questions and answers out of the way here, you know, at media day, and then move on with the season. And that might be part of Arizona's strategy here. Well, you know, avoiding it doesn't make it go away. Exactly. You're going to get asked. Um, And in some ways, it's a sign of confidence that Arizona – you know, stands by Jaden Delora um, in so much as they do not believe the worst of the allegations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little surprised that it's not just Jacob Cowing because also he's like a, you know, Arizona kid that came back. It was Cowing last year, wasn't it? Uh, was it? I, I don't recall. Um, the, the other Michael thing Wiley that, would have been a good pick probably. Yeah, the other, th- well, the other thing that this, the pick of Jaden Delora tells me, even though he, I think he has two years of eligibility left, though who really knows? This tells me it's Jaden Delora's last year at Arizona. Maybe. 
Maybe. I mean, but, but I think the confidence, like you said, like that he had, that they feel good about what he can answer and what he can say is that, I mean, he's on their schedule poster, right? But this kind of makes him the face of your program. And I know it's Pac-12 media. That's not how people feel. Like you're putting him out there front and center to just represent Arizona football going into this season, this season with high expectations. Like, I mean, he's well-spoken. He is the quarterback. In a lot of ways, it makes all the sense in the world. But there is that caveat. But I'm guessing they're looking at that caveat and say, we're going to turn this into a positive for us. Like, we're going to get these answers out of the way, satisfy people, and then move on with our season. You know, and it doesn't hang over you. Because it's going to be asked no matter what. You yeah, know? Might, as well, might as well do it when the, all of the media is there and get the one answer for all I mean, those questions. As long as it's not... My lawyers would advise me not saying anything. Like the Sean Miller answer didn't really stop anyone from asking. You know, uh, like, like he gave the statement, people still ask. But again, they're turning into this. They're not running from it. You know, and they have plenty of time to make whatever plans they want in terms of what they're going to say, what they can say, how they're going to approach this. So I think it's the right move. It's an interesting move. And of course, Trade and Stukes, he's not the guy you think of when you think of Arizona's defense. But then again, a lot of their veterans left. Christian Roland Walsh isn't there. Kian Bars isn't there. Jerry Roberts ended up transferring. You know, so I'm not sure which defensive player you would go with. Would you go with like a Justin Flo who just transferred in this season? Maybe. If it was a year from now, it'd be Jacob Manu. Yeah. Right? Oh, I don't mind training Stukes. He's a good Wildcat, a good player. You know, his story especially is impressive for Arizona. But he's like a success story of like why. But hey, look what this guy turned into. Right? Wasn't he a former yeah. walk-on? You know, and he's now representing you at Media Day like as one of your key defensive players. So totally cool with that. Elijah Rushing will be in that seat three years from now, write it in ink. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> yeah, as long as he signs with Arizona, yeah. No, I mean, just hopefully he's that good and everything that you expected, and he can be the guy to represent you. Um, I mean, I think there's other news and notes, but you know what, Brett? We've gone on long enough. We, you know, think people, if you made it this far, thank you. Like, we appreciate it. You know, it's our first time back in a while. We're kind of making up for lost time, I think, with this week's pod. But, Brett, is there anything else that we need to talk about that we haven't? Oh, God, I hope not. We've been talking for a while, Adam. We have. We have. Well, let's wrap it up then, right? Um, yeah. Thanks to everyone for sending in their mailbag questions. That helped make this the long, a long show, but a really good show. We appreciate that. Always, you can find us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. Even if we don't ask for the mailbag questions, feel free to send us a question. That's how we started our mailbag this week. We'll get to those on the air. Of course, you can find us on Spotify, on iTunes. If you're on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review, and we'll read that review on the air, good or bad. Otherwise, you know, we did it. We did a show. We'll catch you all in another month. No, I'm kidding. We'll, we'll have plenty more shows coming. We'll get back into more regular cadence. And, of course, there's always more things that happen with Arizona Athletics. But follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to us. Rate us. Review us on wherever you get your podcasts. And, yeah, we'll be back next week. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.